Thinks Canary makes high-fidelity honeypots that set up in minutes and requires no ongoing administration. Attackers moving silently on your network advertise their presence by tripping over them. There's a good reason Thinks Canaries are deployed and loved by some of the best security teams in the world. They're inexpensive, they're simple, and they work. For more information, go to securityweekly.com forward slash canary or direct message at sign Thinkst Canary on Twitter for more information. Domain tools help security analysts turn threat data into threat intelligence. They take indicators from your network, including domains and IP addresses, and connect them with nearly every active domain on the internet. Those connections drive risk assessments, help profile attackers, guide online fraud investigations, and map cyber activity to attacker infrastructure. Fortune 1000 companies, global government agencies, and leading security solutions vendors use the Domain Tools platform as a critical ingredient in their threat investigations and proactive defenses. For more information, visit securityweekly.com forward slash domain tools. Welcome back, everyone, to Security Weekly. You heard the new advertisement for Thinkst Canary. Um, the, if you watch the video, I know most people listen, and we're going to work that into the programming. There's some great testimonials about Thinkst uh, Canary. They came up in the video. You can see them. there's lots of tweets from people like Jeremiah Grossman and others about Thinkst Canary. So... Uh, we will work that in in the in in the future, but uh, check out the video. It's a great, great little commercial snip of of tweets coming in with cool people saying cool things about things to Canary. Uh, in other sponsor news, securityweekly.com forward slash ACM active countermeasures. You can go there. Speaking of fast Fourier transforms is something we talk about a lot in the context of active countermeasures. And if you want to see how some of those algorithms work to find back doors in your environment and how that's all now rolled up into a nice easy-to-use interface, you can visit securityweekly.com forward slash ACM. All right. I think that's all my... Did I do my, my due diligence? I think I did. I think I did. Now we can talk about stuff like the security news. Uh, it's interesting. This story is first. and I guess we'll lead into it, which is going to lead to more of a discussion. But hey, there wasn't too much. I mean, Cisco had some flaws. <sighs> now the PHP <laughs> pair and, and stuff like that. Um, but... I found an article, and so this is the backstory is uh, some of the listeners might have shared what happened with my furnace and my HVAC system at, system at home. I, I'm like slowly becoming like this HVAC. Like I'm really just at this point, I've had so many problems that I'm asking the people that come out to try and service the stuff. I'm like, so how did you learn this stuff? Is there like a course? Because I'm just going to take one and avoid calling you people altogether. Because <laughs> <coughs> that's how much, how many problems. I had so many problems with my old system, I put a new system in. Now, a lot of those problems relate to this article, and I think it relates to security in that I did stupid things, and not knowing that I needed to do other important maintenance things caused a lot of failures that ultimately led to getting a new system. Hmm. But it also is very similar, I think, to security. So this article is like 51 things, that sounds like a lot, that most homeowners aren't doing but need to. And I'm like... Yeah, a lot of these, like, either I've done or I've dealt with the consequences of not doing that particular maintenance on your home. And I feel like we suffer from the similar things, but just in our networks and systems. Yeah. There's probably more than 51 <laughs> things. Like, we could write an article. 51 things you should be most sysadmins or network people, you know, don't do but need to be doing, you know, in terms of regular maintenance to avoid, well, to have better performance, integrity, and more security Moving forward. But it's just like doing this stuff at your house. You, right. You, you don't you do up, it. You, yeah, well, but it's because you're doing something else. Yes. Because you come home and you find out, oh, there was a fire in the garage. I need right. to clean that up. And then you don't get around to cleaning the dryer vent. And same thing in your network. You go in and, and somebody says, oh, the email is down. and you. I mean, show of hands how many people have proactively cleaned their faucet aerators. Proactively. Not, proactively, uh, no, it's clogged, no. and you go in and clean it. Well, yeah, okay, okay, yeah. not proactively though. Uh, well, oh, you mean just like for fun, like before it like, gets clogged, ah, knowing you know. it's been a while since you've cleaned the faucet aerators. You're going like in. Like when I get home tonight, I go. I could sit in my office and have a cigar and but, watch uh, my faucet Netflix. aerators should but probably you know be cleaned that before that it six disrupts months warning. It's going to disrupt water flow, Doug. You got to get in there with the toothbrush and scrub them. That's my, my parents. My parents would do that. Yeah, my, my right. dad would have a chart. Yes, and and he would have it on a clipboard, and it would say faucet aerator, and he would do it when it came up on the chart. Yeah. 
I think we need similar hygiene, hygiene. you can call it, for your network yeah. and, and systems, right? And you have to convince uh, the upper management people to buy into that because that's the hard thing to do because they want you to keep the lights on. They don't worry, worry about the faucet aerators until the faucets stop working. They no, they're worried about you doing new things. So in my case, upper management is my wife, right? And she's like, we want to put an addition on the house or we want to install an entirely new shelving system. And I'm like, well, we really need to clean our faucet aerators before they get clogged. Like, that shit gets thrown out, dude. They're like, no, we want new features. We want progress. I want the room to look completely different from the way it looked yesterday because that makes everyone happy. Let's replace the whole sink. And that has happened. No, that has happened. More than once. That's how I learned about it. Yes. I didn't even know about faucet aerators, and my faucet stopped working. I was like, this thing's fried. And I called I like a plumber, it. and they brought a new sink. And he's like, you know you can just take this little thing off and, and clean it out with a toothbrush, and it'll be fine. And I was like, no, I, I wanted a new sink. Yeah, I, we wanted a new sink. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I knew I could do that. I, in fact, I have a whole cleaning apparatus out there in my garage. I, I was ready to do it. I, I built a machine to do that for me. It's, it's like an artificially intelligent faucet aerator cleaner. Right, and, and, and I did this uh, one recently, but only because there was a problem, and I feel like we do this in security too, right? We get breached, or there's some major security yeah. event, and then we go, "Oh crap, we should really do this kind of maintenance or this other thing and monitor this thing in the future and take an action to have a process for it." But that usually only happens after some event. It's reactive. Cleaning my dishwasher. Same damn thing. It's, yeah, reactive. it's reactive. I'm like, I know years ago I cleaned out my dishwasher, cut myself on a piece of glass because everything that goes in the dishwasher, it gets broken, it gets dirty, things fall out, straws, whatever. It all goes in the bottom of your dishwasher. There's a grinder in the bottom of your oh, dishwasher yeah, no, that like, grinds that mm-hmm. stuff up so it can more easily drain out. However, it's really hard to grind plastic straws and glass and things like that. So you just got to keep on trying. All of a sudden, so. your dishwasher's making weird noises or it's clogged. And you're like, time for a new dishwasher. There you go. And then I'm like, hold on, wait a minute. I think I read something somewhere that said <laughs> you can clean the dishwasher. And if you're like me, you go to YouTube and you figure out how to take apart your dishwasher. I did that years ago. Then you buy a new dishwasher. Yeah. 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 Then when you can't get it back yeah, together, exactly. you have to go. I actually fortunately got it back together. But Ooh. then I was like, you know that? Fancy. We should probably do that regularly. And then every weekend, you know, my wife would be like, well, I really want a new shelving unit and hang a new mirror here and, and all that stuff. And then... One night, our dishwasher's making a heinous noise, and the next morning, I take it apart, and lo and behold, there's this gigantic plastic straw that was stuck right in the grinder, so it was making like a <laughs> noise every time the, the, the uh, dishwasher turned on, right? And so I cleaned it out. <laughs> now, the first time I did it, I just shoved my hand in there, and I was like, I had to pull this shit out, and I cut my hand wide open on of a piece of glass. Of course you did. Yeah. Because yeah, glass turns out it's really works. hard to see. Yeah. So when I did it this time, I was like, ooh, pliers, tweezers. Yes, I'm going to pull everything out of there. But the point is, I didn't do it until there was a problem. Why would you do And that? I think that so. we talk about the, we're talking earlier in Enterprise Security Week about the integration of operations and development with security. We need to have regular tasks that also speak to security and not wait until there's a problem. This article just reminded me of that and uh, reminded me that I... You need to clean need your oven doors. Clean my oven doors. <laughs> well, yes. One, the thing that popped into my head when you started talking about this is, uh, like, when you, get a, when you get, a, get a new computer, do you, do you start with the OS and, and add just what you need, or you you bulk drop everything from your old system, including the crap you don't use and the old, old shit that's yep. hiding in the corners? Um, which approach do you use? And then in a business, can you have you have the time to rebuild only what needs to be there? But it's an important hygiene step. Yeah, and te- technology is making that easier. Like with containers, it's much easier to do that. But or well, I don't know about easier. It allows you to do that and continue it moving forward. Getting there is still some work. But I think a lot of security comes down to this regular maintenance and yeah. hygiene that we're it would help that we're yeah. talking about. And certainly the parallels in this article were unprecedented yeah. especially since i do have a brand new hvac unit and it is failing and it, nobody can figure out why <laughs> which is interesting th- there are a couple it easter eggs hidden in there too it's it's a fairly comprehensive list it is anyway i thought it's a pretty cool article okay this mm-hmm. is cleaning weep holes in your windows, you don't I, clean the weep holes in your windows. No, I never. Yeah. I don't even know what the hell it is. When water go, gets like inside your windows, like if you have it open and it goes in the window sill, if it didn't have holes that are called the weep holes, that water would just collect oh, and. Pool I just board the windows up and put plastic over them. 
Well, you could do that, or you could just clean your weep holes <laughs> if you had water that was inside of your. I, I, I learned. Hate it. I learned. I hate a, I learned you were supposed hole. to leave your weep hole alone a long time ago. No, it's got to be. You got to have a clean weep hole. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, oh, there's good I'm, stuff on here. Everybody should look at this is. article. Yeah, I, I especially you new homeowners. Yeah, I'm putting oh, together my advanced homeowner kit, and it includes a device to measure the CFMs in your uh, air registers. <laughs> And bourbon. Wind speed, velocity. There's something in there oh about a swallow. God. But it does measure wind speed, velocity. And all I can think of every time I say wind speed, velocity oh. is Monty Python and the search. Now, they got, they got a misspelled word here because I've always wanted to remove garage grim. Grim? It says removing garage grim. Yes. The, the grim reaper the, that's he, in your garage should be removed. Yeah. I think they meant grime. But is there grim in your weep hole? <laughs> That's the what invisible E. It's a That's thing. the name of this episode. Grim in your weep hole. Grim in your weep hole. I probably should have saved quote. this story for last because it's <laughs> going to be really difficult to transition off of the story <laughs> and on to something else. When yeah. it has and terms now like for something completely different. Grim and, and weep holes. And grim weep holes. And, <laughs> and blowing out your soffits. It is, it does and now same. for something completely the same. Yes. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Blow out your soffits after you get rid of your grim repoles. Repoles. <laughs> Million dollar idea, Paul. Hunt class. Hunter gatherer skills for IT professionals. Yes. How to survive in the real world. There it's you go. It's true. It's true. Anyway, uh, where do we want to go from here? <laughs> uh, oh, how about the, I like the Nest missile alert. Yeah, so someone threatened a family using a Nest camera to broadcast a fake missile attack. Yeah. I'm not sure how you necessarily, do you really, like, how do you do that? I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I wasn't sure exactly what they did or how the alert was, was presented. Yeah. I mean, it was like a Nest camera, so we all have this stuff. And I was looking at mine, and I was like, I don't know how this camera would you know, broadcast an alert to me. I, I was like, maybe the guy walked up on their front porch with a little sign that said missile alert incoming or something. I don't know. I, I, was, I thought it was really strange. It's interesting. They said they compromised uh, the Nest devices through exposed breaches in other websites. Well, I get the hack. I, I just didn't understand, like, exactly what happened. With Ring, it sends you alerts when other events happen. Yeah, I guess And actually, so, they yeah. came under scrutiny for, like, who has access to the right. footage on your, yeah. your Ring. But... Uh, it will send you alerts like a suspicious car was uh, right. Yeah, I get, it. I get so I those, could see yeah. changing one of those alerts and going. Yeah. There's a missile attack. Yeah, I don't know if that's available on the cams. Well, that's what from, I was wondering from because Nest because Ring and Nest are two different companies. Yeah, so I mean, Nest like, makes yeah. doorbells and stuff too. Now. Right? No, I know. They used to just make thermostats. Thing about by Google. Yep, and it's becoming but my my Ring home. sends me alerts. So mm-hmm. yeah, somebody could hack that, push an alert out. But I mean, honestly, if I got an alert from my doorbell that said. North Korean missiles missile. inbound. I probably wouldn't even jump up from my desk and go clean my weep holes or anything. I would probably just, you know, sit there and go, what the hell? You would ignore it and go clean your weep holes. Yeah, probably so. Cause, yeah, you missiles. would immediately, yes, you would immediately pay attention to that weep hole maintenance that you were <laughs> lax on. I know you That's would. A major cause of, of nest attacks. Weep so, holes. Yeah. I mean, one of the creepy cool things Nest is doing is they're looking for users that are using compromised passwords that have been published. It's not going to be perfect, and it, it feels a little creepy that they're checking for using compromised credentials, but they're trying to keep their users mm-hmm. you know, a little more secure, and they make them change their passwords when they discover it. I, th- I, I think that's the, smartly. I mean, it is kind of creepy, but... It's cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, hopefully they're just comparing hashes. And not, yeah, you know right. What I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's not go to. Let's not get next level creepy. At just comparing hashes or something, right? And they do have two factor authentication for their app for the app itself available. It's it's buried down in the options where it's hard sure. to see, but you can actually turn on for the when you're logging into your account, whether it's through their mobile app or through the website, that you have to two factor. I believe it's just using SMS, but still, uh, nice plus to have. I think so somebody had to work for this one. It's a good reminder that everything you put on the internet is potentially public and most likely someone else has seen it. That includes your password, as we're talking about in this, because yeah. your password is essentially on the internet. 
And Twitter now has warned that private tweets were public for years. I'm yeah. not sure of the... Uh, so anyone updated the email address linked to their account between November 2014 and 29, January 2019 could have had messages exposed. Yep. I mean, I, I, my philosophy has always been don't say anything on the internet. I don't care if you think it's a private group, a public group, a but secret group. But here's the group. thing. With, with Twitter, they've always called it a direct message. Yeah. They haven't called it a secure direct message. They haven't called it a private message. Right. They've called it a direct yeah. no, message. I, I mean, and I, I'm not trying to defend Twitter in this case because you do think, well, if I send this, then the public can't read it. But it just means that it didn't go out to your public Twitter feed, that it was made on a public right. platform. All social media networks fall into this thing. And, and when social media first started becoming really popular, um, actually after that, so it became popular, a lot of people started using it that didn't have backgrounds in technology. And then all of a sudden when the reports came in that people were getting fired and suffering consequences in their lives as a result of things they posted on social yep. media, when that first started happening... You know, some of my friends and family came to me and were asking me about it. And I'm like, look, nothing you post online is guaranteed to be secret. And they're like, well, I only friend certain people and <laughs> I make my account private and like whatever social network it was. And I'm like, okay, so what if someone that you're connected with or friends with is looking at something that you posted that's absolutely outrageous, immoral, viral, grotesque, whatever – and the person sitting over their shoulder takes a picture of it with the phone. Right. I'm like, how, where's your privacy now? Understand that no matter what you've done with your air quote privacy settings, that the shit that you put online is public forever. Right. I mean, just like, I mean, people were, I remember when, when, when uh, Snapchat first started. Yeah. And people were asking me like, so is this really secure? If I tweet somebody, it's going to, or I, I, whatever you call Snapchatting Snap, somebody. Snapchat someone. If does. you Snapchat Come on chat now. someone. Don't show your age. Use well, the right terminology. If you snap I, someone. But I was immediately going, the first thing I. If you snap I, someone in the weep hole, they get really yeah. bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Boy, that'll bring tears to your eyes. <laughs> A Snapchat. It's really bad when Doug and I get in the studio and we're on our second bottle of wine. <laughs> Snapchat. I remember weepo. hearing about that uh, Snapchat. Things were supposed to disappear like in however many seconds yes. or minutes. And then, so I was like, I didn't believe it. Then I started Googling for archives of Snapchat photos, and lo and behold, there's a crap load of them out there. So much well, for them disappearing. The first thing I thought of was just video. I mean, videoing as it goes by. Right. I mean, I could set up a video camera on a tripod and just sit there and, and, and capture every bit of it. I'm like, it's not. I mean, they yeah, did maybe. have protections yeah. later that you couldn't screenshot. Yeah, they had. They won't let you screenshot, but you can still set a video but camera. Android's a, I'll have to say, Android is a pretty open platform. Yeah. Right? I have to imagine that there's and probably ways, there's around, ways that. around it. Snapchat could have the most well. secure air quote secure app in the world but once you drop it on android we've all seen an insecurity that an application be, can be tricked into doing a lot of things because the platform has bugs and holes that, that can mm -hmm. be exploited and i knew people that were trying to capture that stuff for uh, surveillance purposes sure i mean they were you know and so yeah i mean it's all out there somewhere i mean yeah. good luck I mean, you're putting it on somebody else's server yeah that in of itself is a bad idea and when other people see it, they can certainly save it. I it is some yeah. of my friends on Facebook post the ridiculous Tinder things, and I'm just like, I don't, I don't understand <laughs> the whole thing. I don't know. I'm married. So, but. have you guys seen the movie Chef? C H E F. No. John Favreau. No. I, oh, I have. Yeah, but he's got a food car, a food truck, right? Well, but. But you remember, it starts off. He thinks he's sending a private yeah. tweet that gets retweeted thirty-two thousand times. That's right. Yeah, um, pretty good example of social media not being understood. It's also an awesome father-son movie, by the way. Gets me every time. But I was just thinking about it. it's a good it's a good example of what can go wrong when you just think you're sending something private that ain't. Yeah, uh, seen several people fired for stuff like that. Yes, uh, I fired a couple of them. <laughs> oh. It's like your, your upper management does not have the guts to come in and tell you you're fired. Mm -hmm. so they, they hired me to do it instead, which is fine. Uh, we, you we fixed the, the payroll man. system. <laughs> I'm trying to find something as equally interesting to talk about. Lee, do you have stories that are... Well, I thought we might have a little interest out of my number one news story. Um, there's this... So 
some people, if they have some some of their cell phones, I and mean, we know we all get scam photos. I mean, phone calls on our our cell phones and all photos. the time, and photos and text. And now you may see something along the lines of scam lightly as the scam likely. This is great yes, line in, as part of the caller ID and. Now I have I, so the, Lee, just to yeah, clarify there, uh, so I, or you, Android natively in Android it will mark calls as spam, yeah. potential spam, yeah. and I have uh, True Caller, yeah, and that will right. also. They kind of right. been working in tandem. Like usually, if one doesn't get it, the other might, but they both right. still miss things. And right. when you're in situations where you have to pick up your phone. Right? right, and answer every call regardless. I, I wish that the FTC would step in and, and put more stringent guidelines and regulations and laws in place to make it so that when your financial firm is calling you, there's some, like DNSSEC, there's some way to validate right. that it is my, inv- you know, my investment, uh, my right. local bank, whatever it is, but it doesn't. When the caller ID comes up, it could be friggin' anything, and caller ID is rendered completely useless. Sorry, Lee, I didn't mean right. to steal no, your thunder. No, but. no, 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 it's cool. You made, you made, you made the point I want to jump on, and that is um, there are these two standards out there called, um, damn it, uh, stir and shaken. Yes. And yep. what they basically boil down to is your phone or the VoIP gateway or other endpoint uh, device that's basically routing the calls out where has a signature so that you know it's a genuine call. Wait, so Lee, was this the one that was just put, uh, was uh, recommended by the FCC and Amit, Amit Pai? That's the FCC chairman? I think yeah, that's... With was the quoted, big, quoted in the article, and this the big is something coffee cup, yeah. they're, they're pushing yeah. for, yes. Yeah, the Reese's Pieces. The Reese's yeah. Cup, yeah. Cup and, and, and so, you know, T-Mobile, AT&T, Verizon, and what's the Sprint. fourth one, are Sprint. all implementing something, although I have the feeling that Verizon is doing something completely different, but whatever. Interesting. Because uh, the, they have to work together to uh, cross-verify. Uh, but yeah, it was, it's kind of, they're doing it optionally, because just because the hue and cry from the users... And, of course, I expect you're going to see a basic level of protection. And for a small monthly uplift, you can get an improved level of connection that includes not only AI but machine learning. Um, <laughs> well, they, they're, I mean, they're no, not hold planned, on. You made that right? last part up because it does yeah. Fourier transforms on your phone numbers. <laughs> converts them into quantum uh, numbers. Yeah, I mean, there actually is a hard problem to solve. So it is. There is no, a lot it's of a very hard in, in the VOIP world, it's a very hard problem to solve because... I can set up all kinds of caller ID spoofing is ridiculous. I mean, I can, I can jump sure. on Vonage or any of these services and, and change my numbers at will to any area code, so I can call you from a local exchange. So you think oh, I get calls oh, constantly? God, it used to be years ago a few spam calls that you'd get. You'd be like, "Oh, that's a local number. I'm going to pick that up." Right. You fast forward to today, all of them are all, all, like ninety percent of the spam calls you get. Or spoofing your local exchange. Exactly. And, you know what's really funny about that prefix. to me? I mean, to me, area code and prefix. Yep. For, for for those of us that are road warriors, it doesn't work ha! because we get calls from all over the fucking world. So it's like, right. yeah, whatever. But for those of us that are not, which is the majority of the pro- population, let's face it. It damn well works, and it's annoying as yeah, crap. But Jeff, even if you're traveling, how do you know it's not your local dry cleaner? calling you or if it's someone that wants to renew the insurance or warranty on your car right well like I you don't, you don't know that my calls anyway. and i use the dry cleaner example because i got someone else's dry cleaning which was kind of interesting it, it was i mean it wasn't really that interesting i got a bunch of dress shirts that weren't mine and i took it back and they gave me my dress shirts but had they called me i'd have looked at the number and gone is that the dry cleaners? Because it doesn't always map back to the business that's calling. Because I've gotten legitimate calls locally that I didn't answer. That I was like, shit, I probably should have answered that one. And the caller ID didn't match who it was. So I feel like there's two things. I, I actually, God, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I agree with the FCC's proposal that they should impose restrictions and laws that prevent organizations from spoofing caller ID. That seems logical to me. What also seems logical is to go the other way 
and require, I mean, let's start with the obvious ones, require financial institutions when they're calling a legitimate customer uh, from that financial institution to present a valid caller ID that is somehow verified in the proposal that they that they have forth today with stir and shaken. Well, right? I is think you have, you, have to put a okay. you have to put a certificate on each end, and that way the certificate validates, and at least it's harder to spoof it in the way it is today. I'm not sure the FCC can do it because if, if I just offshore it and I make sure. all the calls from India or, or Liberia or wherever, I, I can still spoof it, and the FCC can sit there and go, you stop that, and you know, unless they're willing to go to war over it, which they're not. Yeah, because you've got to trace it back to who's the right. U.S.-based firm that and hired the external contractor. PBX in Monroeville or, or yeah, Monrovia the, the, or whatever. That's right. It's an implementation weakness, right? And yeah. If this thing was mutually authenticated uh, before you can transmit caller ID, it wouldn't be a problem. No, right? I'm not saying I would right. even then trust my caller ID to when my someone financial institution calls me and says, what's your social security number? Well, hold on. You called me. No, screw you. Hang up. I'm calling you so, back. But if we yeah. each just had a certificate and you knew who to trust, you could see a certificate from me and I call you and it's just Doug White is calling and you would at least know that that was me and it would be a I lot I still wouldn't to. give you, you wouldn't, well, uh, he wouldn't answer my call, but, but at least you would But I wouldn't was, give them any personal information until you don't I have called to. them. It's Still. a certificate. I mean, I'm just saying, though, yeah. it doesn't, it's not a trust thing. It just validates what, what it says on caller ID. So if it says right. Doug White, it really is Doug White. And, and if your phone says So then not, I know I can just send it right to voicemail. Exactly. Yeah. And, and if, if you know, or you can just send me a dick pic back or whatever like right. you usually do. But Text um, me first before yeah. you call. If so, everyone just texted first before they call. I don't know. That's what I do. One of, one of the cool things in the stir and shake and stuff is it actually has different levels of assurance. So is the certificate at the, uh, at the phone? Is it at the PBX? Is it at the VoIP gateway? Um, you have different levels of confidence. Uh, well, yeah, I'm thinking that the, the certificate. Well, yeah, cool. I mean, I would want the certificates to be for individual calls. A certificate should be on the individual phones. For a, a commercial call, it should be at the PBX level. So, right. it, you know, it would have it would have to say, "I this is IBM calling," and you know, or it says just random caller or non non secured certificate or whatever, and you you could at least just send those to voicemail, and you don't have to answer them. I. I it almost feels like we need one more piece of information in the caller ID, and that would be something like the level of certainty about the genuine, how genuine the call is. Yeah, maybe I'm overboard. But well, well that every spam caller just needs to set the evil bit in their caller ID right. so that we know that they're. Yeah, that's they're right. Evil. Oh, they Problem gotta set the evil bit. <laughs> I think I saw some, in one of the articles I was reading. They say estimate fifty percent of mobile calls are scams. Yeah, right now. Yeah, it's crazy. That's, I'd yeah. say that's pretty accurate. I mean, I, I put a product on my phone, and it, it really stripped it out. Uh, what, do you want to? No, Nomo Robo. Nomo Robo. It costs, I'm using it, Nomo Robo as well. It costs a very little, and it really cut down. I was getting so many calls every day oh, that were yeah, just I'm, horrific. I'm, yeah, I'm and, in the horrific yeah. status yeah, right now. Yeah, and, uh, and that really just, I mean, it went away. That's good. And uh, right. I still get them on my office phone, but I, you know, it's like the only ones I get on my office phone, which has a, a, a non-cool Manhattan number, I have a 646 number instead of a 212 number because, but my 646 number, if it's got a 646 area code, I don't answer it because I know that's a robocall. Right. So. Right. But, you know, they have a, they have a, uh, um, a non-mobile version of, of Nobo Robo. You're basically setting up simultaneous ringing at Normal Robo yeah. in your extension, and they do the equivalent of picking up the extension and hanging up on them. Right. <laughs> Which makes them pay for the call. Yep. yep. I, I don't know yes. that they have to pay much, but, you know, in the old days, back, back in the past, you know, it was, I remember calling my girlfriend long distance, and we, we had a system for that. And you call a collect call, and then, and then you yell over the operator, and they get mad at you. You go, yeah. meet me at 8 o'clock and hang up. And then the, the operator would call back and go, don't do that. That's illegal. And it's like, oh, I'm sorry. I was actually yelling at my brother. I wasn't trying to, you know. That's a hack. That is that was an, hack. That, yeah. Talk yeah. about an old hack. We also had that the one where you ring the hack. phone. Uh, you ring the phone twice and hang up. And that, that meant, like, I, I'll meet you at 8 o'clock. So that way they didn't pick up the phone. Ah, uh, the days before text messaging. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, our version you, of text messaging. You ever make, you, ever, you ever make a call using a ham radio patch? Uh, no, but I know what that is because I also yeah. have a friend who used to do that kind of stuff. Wait, yeah. how do you do that's that, how, Lee? 
Well, basically, it's it's like the ham operator in one location can contacts another ham operator in the other location, and they and they're and they're connecting it up. Then the, and the other operator calls you on the phone and sets it up, and it's essentially uh, call over radio. Like you're on speak. It's call over radio, but you're also on a. It's using the voice activated switching and stuff. <laughs> And you, but you have to like say over it when you're done talking, so, so that people know when to cut over. And you're not a private conversation anymore, <laughs> right? Well, or were you really? Free. Were you really uh, a private conversation, Lee, in any situation over the old POTS systems? Not unless you were really. Again, naive. I'll I'll reference a George Carlin uh, joke. Remember when he's talking about people tapping his phones? <laughs> And he used to answer the phone. What did he say, Doug? You, do you know the line? No. He said, "Fuck Hoover." Hello, hey, how you doing? Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those were the days. But it was at that time we were living in Hawaii, and my family was here in California, and so that was ex- it was wicked expensive for that long distance call. So the the patch call was great. Huh. Um, and you can still get the technology to do it. That's I'm pretty sure. Cool. That technology didn't go away. No. Or you could just talk over the internet. Yeah. <laughs> it's like free. Right? <laughs> exactly. Pretty much. And because uh, it's on the internet, of course, it's more private. You just have to go do it at a public library. So There you go. I, it's, these just aren't as interesting as what we've been talking about. <laughs> I got, so uh, on Patchflaw and Cisco, leaves small businesses wide open. Uh, PHP Pair has been hacked in the tainted package manager has been distributed for six months. It makes me think, I'm like, oh, shit. I ran the, <laughs> I'll I ran be the, right back. <laughs> God damn it, I ran the PHP pair command. Fuck, now I got to go check some of my systems. Uh-huh. Um, pair is like uh, the package management system for right. PHP, right? It's, it's, it's like the, the yeah, like, app, like get, apt, it's or, like apt or what is yum. it in, in Python? Uh, it, uh, um, I don't know what it is. Holy shit. What is it in Python, Joff? The package manager installer. Pip. Pip thank you, Pip. We both thought Pip. I, you said it as I thought of it. Pip. Yum. Pip is to Python what pair is to PHP. And it's yeah, tainted. It, PHP. And it's ta- tainted. Is it hobo? Uh, <laughs> it's hobo tainted. <laughs> hobo Wait, tainted. Did we have that hobo conversation on air? Probably God, not. I hope not. God, I hope not. And that's why the FCC keeps calling my phone. It was my Halloween costume. That's yeah, all I that's have to right. say. Uh, hobo in hobo, summertime. Hobo leg ho tainted. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, can, we order, can we wrap this up? <laughs> no, Joff, we still... Ha- I, we still have time. I'm keeper of the time here, all right? He's keeper oh, of the time. All right, all right. So, He's the head hobo in this place. The head, yes, head hobo is very accurate. Um, He's the taint master. The taint master of now, the see, universe. I really thought this one came from the register because of the title. Turns out it didn't. It came from Mars Technica. But a, a researcher discovers state actors' mobile malware efforts because of YOLO OPSEC. YOLO I'm not sure what constitutes YOLO OPSEC, but OPSEC is important. And it seems that if you're an evil, bad person, malicious actor, and you're not paying attention to your OPSEC, in today's day and age, you run a really big risk of getting caught. I think that, would you agree in general that attackers have to have slightly better OPSEC because there's more awareness in potential places to get caught? I would absolutely agree with that, yeah. Yeah, I think even generally, like, what's your six? I mean, right? people. Well, I mean, Joff, you break into enterprise networks for your job, right? Like, yeah. If your your opsec isn't good, you might you might get caught. I mean, slightly different scenario, but still, if no, you're not you using encrypted upset, channels yeah. or you know that kind of thing, people no, have we, logging. <coughs> they have you know they have cameras. They have logging. They well, have, we've always had logging. I think now people use more it. People look at that's logs what I mean for I security mean, events. Yeah. So I think people do watch for that stuff. And if you were just out there wide open, uh, I mean, I did a police case uh, recently and, and the person was caught because their IP address was, was exposed. Right. And they got notified that they were being investigated and they still didn't. Uh, if you don't have basic it. OPSEC, you can. I mean, person, I remember back in the day at university, well, this seems to be the episode that will live in the past, but 
uh, I helped with an investigation that ultimately led to people uh, who were convicted and sent to prison. Um, and it was a failure on OPSEC. I was observing events in my network and I was like, wow, that's a really weird FTP connection on a really weird port coming from a system that based on other events I know is compromised by someone else. Let me go on that system and see what's up. And in some of their scripts, they were automatically connecting to an FTP yeah. server. And so in that connection, because remember with FTP, you could have like a connection script that would mm -hmm. automate it. In those files that I found were their usernames and passwords. Mm -hmm. I presented after, you know, some process. Like basically I called someone up and they were like, oh, I think we have someone working on that that's in a different country. Hold on. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll get back to you. Like literally in less than an hour later, my phone rings and it's, uh, and I'm trying to anonymize it, even though it's been published. Anyway, it was a secret service. They called me from Milan, Italy, and they were like, yeah, we're interested in what you got. <laughs> we exchanged PGP keys, and that was basically one of the things that broke the case wide open. Hmm. And because I sent secret service the username and password to the attacker's FTP server where they were stalling all of their malware backdoor scripts and all that stuff, they basically pulled all that down and were essentially laughing at the attackers. They had collected enough evidence to, to prosecute them, and it, it was successful. But that, again, goes back to OPSEC. Even back then, and we're talking this is in like 2005 or three or whatever, right? Um, even back then, if you made sloppy mistakes like that, someone that was paying attention could likely find you. Yeah. Fast forward to today, your OPSEC game has to be at a much higher level. Because even average users now are aware of OPSEC yeah. stuff. They're aware that hackers exist in and the world. IP, right? They know what an IP address is, and if they don't, they can jump on Google and type it in and go, what does this mean? And I've had, I've had true. people That's call true, me. That's true, Doug, yeah. I've had people call me and say, what is, it, what is an IP address? I've got one. This person keeps doing this stuff, and we, we captured it on our, you know, I looked up how to capture it, and I turned my little Soho router on logging, and I've got these addresses. Is there a way to find out where right. those are? And now, props to the people that are... I'm thinking of specific people who like really just shred attackers that even have really good OPSEC. I don't want to diminish in any capacity what they're doing. I mean, that's yeah. freaking awesome. But the fact that a lot of the other attackers that don't have good OPSEC, they're getting clipped, you know, here and there, maybe more. It's tough to say how often they're getting discovered. I think it's more often than in the past, be my hunch. Well, I mean, a lot of attackers are not Lex Luthor. They're the dumb guy who just, you know, I mean, nobody, I always say nobody ever walked into a, a, a mini mart with a shotgun and thought tomorrow I'll be in jail for the rest of my life. But, it's you know, true. you know, and, and there's attackers like that too. They're just not very smart and they go, not sophisticated nobody's attacking this entity going tomorrow. I'm going to jail. And, and when they don't have OPSEC, they get caught because yep. people are watching for them and they, they have mechanisms to look for that. They have resources to turn to. And people still do, but you're absolutely right. It's a great analogy. So let's bring that into bank robbery. Right. right. How many bank robbers get don't away scot-free? Don't get right. caught, right? Like, it's a very... I'm <laughs> sure there are. They still do it. It's a very small percent, very, very, like, isolated right. cases right? Then, where yeah. you watch the documentary on History Channel yeah. of, like, the one bank D. robber... D.B. Cooper. <laughs> but even D.B. Cooper didn't get away with it. He died. His parachute didn't open or something. They found his, you know, his remains or whatever. Right, but. and there's lots of stories like that. But most people that, uh, that rob a bank and you hear stories and watch the local news or whatever, there's cameras... But they still try and it. And they still do it. Because <laughs> they're still there going, about a bank being You know robbed. what, man? I tell you what, man. That's where they keep the money. <laughs> I got all that money in there. I tell you what we do. We push some of our pantyhose over our heads. And we go in there and cover shotguns. We're going to be rich, man. We'll have so much meth. It'll be crazy. And then they go try to rob the bank. And, you know, I had no idea I would be in jail for the rest of my life. You know, it's like, yeah. You know, that was interesting. That was kind of the premise of the whole notion of offensive security and inactive defense was one of the principles was, well, one of the reasons why you catch a lot of bank robbers is you put the die pack in the money <laughs> yeah. that they take, right? And there's a digital equivalent. Uh -huh. Of that today as well. Right. And, and, I mean, you can do stuff like that. There's all kinds. But like I said, and that and just the fact that people have resources to turn to. Mm. 20 years yeah. ago, most companies did not have an idea who they could call to ask for help. Right. Today, there's companies that do this. They're, you know, if you Google, help me with, you know, I mean, somebody can come help you forensicate your logs. 
they can prepare evidence. They've got all kinds of, you call the state police in Rhode Island. They have a great unit over there. You call over there and say, look, I think we got hacked. They can come over and, and take that data. If there's enough damages at stake, I agree when transitioning off this, but I like where we're going. If there's enough damages at stake, you can get help from law enforcement. And I agree, in the past 20 years, mm-hmm. I want to get your take on this. Past 20 years, law enforcement has significantly upped their game oh my God. in cybercrime. <laughs> like, you think about the... How long we've come in 20 years, Doug, in investigating cybercrime across the board, all the law enforcement, state, federal, local, government, the whole thing. I mean, I guarantee you, even 10, 15 years ago, and Rhode Rhode Island, shout out to Rhode Island, was one of the first states that really had a sophisticated computer crimes unit because they happened to have a couple of people over there that were really interested in this. John Alfred. John Alfred. He's a great person. We met him. Ken Bell and those guys. They, they were building, Ken Bell was one of the people that built that program, but I mean, you know, and you call them and, and they, they will talk to you about it. But there has but, to be enough, it's a priority. Well, they may tell right? you that we can't do much because it's such a dinky thing, but Correct. I mean, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, if you called your local law enforcement and said, I think I got hacked, they're like, with a machete or what, yeah. a lawnmower blade? Because, you know, I think I'm going to have to kill you. Uh, and even today, I, I've seen a lot of harassment cases that, given better technology and expertise and effort, probably could lead to some type of prosecution. Well, right? I, I'll give. I, I can't tell you much about this, but I, I did this. I did this law enforcement thing, and this case was very long. It had been going on for years and years and years and years. And a lot of the early investigation of this case was essentially people saying. We don't know what to do. You know, we can't help you. But over time, a really great detective got involved in that case. And because there were tools available and resources available to that person, they were able to put that case together. And, and after many years, they put it, they, they closed it. And it was because of OPSEC. I mean, it, mm-hmm. the person did not use good OPSEC, and, and otherwise they would have got away with it. Mm-hmm. But because they just didn't have, they were the, they were the guy with a shotgun and a 7-Eleven. I, you know I mean, it's interesting. I want to go back to what Chris Morales was saying between you know, data scientists and security people. Security people have that knowledge of what to look for and why. The data science has that, like how we look for it. When we look at law enforcement, in your case of the detective, in a lot of scenarios, that's flipped. There's someone who's been a detective or an investigative agent for 20 years. Right. That experience is so valuable to someone who's skilled in computer security that that's a great kind of marriage that can Absolutely. lead to a lot of uh, convictions. And I feel and, like a lot more of that is going on And they on smartened today. up on it because yeah. they, you saw then the FBI and people like that starting to hire people like you because they knew that even though they had these great investigators, the investigators didn't know what questions to ask. Right. They knew they, they, knew they needed to ask a question. Right. And they knew about that behavior. Their investigation skills were I mean, And, and awesome. I've had investigators say to me, I know this guy's that did it. Yeah. I mean, you can tell from talking to this guy, he did. They it. have that intuition. But it's like, I don't know yet. what he did, yes. and I don't know I don't how he did it. I don't understand the technology or and, anything, but and they literally, just got feeling, yeah. I've written just written a question or two for them and said, "Ask him these two questions, yeah. and then tell me what they said." And they call me back and said, "Here's what he said," and I was like, "Oh yeah, he did it." Yep. I mean, just it's just very, you know. I mean, but they're they've learned, and and so that means you better up up your opset game if you're playing. Yeah, to those. come back to the story, yeah, you're absolutely. I right. I mean, yeah. because if you're not using good opsec, you are probably going to get caught. I mean, you're. I mean, a if lot. If they of, don't know, they they know who to ask. Whereas yeah. before they. They didn't know who to ask or what to ask. And they didn't even have resources. I mean, yeah. but now they do because now they go, oh, I, I know a guy at the university who teaches cybersecurity classes. I watch Security Weekly. I, I mean, I know a lot of law enforcement people who watch this show or listen to the show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they say, I don't I always know what they're talking about. people. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, well, they're taking notes about you, Josh. But, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's going to be a wall to deal with your type soon. And, uh, mm-hmm. But, um but, I mean, I think law enforcement has really upped their game. Mm-hmm. They've found resources. Corporate has upped their game. they found resources. They've got people on staff. They've got units. And because of that, yeah, I, th- I think that, that if, you're, if you're playing these games, you're, you're pretty much the guy with a shotgun. And a, now, and a yeah, I mean, on the flip side of that, there's a lot of attackers that have had great success. I think the investigations have gotten much better, but that doesn't mean there's still... Like this database of 24 million mortgage loan records left exposed online... Upset goes both ways. It goes... Yes. That's actually summed up very nicely, Doug. Yeah, Yeah, it is. It is. You know, it's funny. You ever had that experience? uh, If you're an information security professional in the field, 
somebody will often come up to your party or something and say, Hey, man, I'm glad you're on the good guy's side. You know, if you ever turned <laughs> bad, it would be really bad for the rest of us. And my typical response is, I'm actually not that good. I'm good. <laughs> but if you're on the bad side, your OPSEC has to be near fucking perfect. Yeah. Yeah. If to not get caught, sure. You're going to get busted otherwise these days. Well, and, and, and so many people will come to you and present a scenario and you're like to execute that scenario to hack this thing or get that piece of information you realize that could be months maybe years of work and as joff said your opsec has to be perfect to not get caught and there are people out there trying to execute those attacks who knows how successful they are varying degrees of success certainly but that's there's a huge level of effort. But it's not, and I think Hollywood and movies and TVs have kind of done that a disservice, right? They think, yeah, that, I agree. Oh, I agree. to pull off like that big hack. I like mean, it, in the movie, they show it like you know they just type like a. They look like they're just mashing the keyboard and, and swordfish. Then, yeah, where they're holding a gun fish, to his right, head. Yeah. He's like, I'm hacking the DoD. Uh, hang on, hang on. I'm gonna shoot you in 30 seconds. Ah, uh, in. You know, right. and it's like you know, yeah, right. That happened. Yeah, yeah, right. it's just yeah, it's Hollywood, right? Of course. I mean, and you know, th- to be honest, in the in the pen testing field, uh, you know, this is sort of a sad statement on the industry. We tighten up. We we stay pretty quiet in the beginning of a lot of our engagements, but we pretty quickly get noisy. And the sad statement on, on it uh, this is not directly related, but the sad statement on it is 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 a lot of organizations don't notice. And it's like, oh wait, man, we've we've been noisy enough that you should notice. Um, this is this this is purely from a metrics and 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 a sort of threat hunting perspective, but um, you know, but the, the the thing is, even pen testers, a lot of us don't really have to practice really tight opsec. We just don't. The state of yeah. the industry is not right. at that level, right? Um, yeah, that's just that's even just pen testers get the blues. Well, and I, I think uh, I mean you know what the. Uh, the company you're engaging with knows who you are and all all that stuff, so it's not a really fair. It's a di- it's, it's not, not a fair a good comparison. Analogy, right? It's it a different. It, yeah. It's contrived, right? right? It's contrived setup example. Um, well, and that, I mean, that, and that's a sliding risk business, though, too. I mean, that's about like how much opsec do you want to have, and and you know how. So, I mean, if they say we're this is this the launch codes, and we've got nuclear weapons ready to fire here. You probably want to make, you know, if you're trying to pen test them, you're going to have to have perfect OPSEC. But if it's some company going, eh, you know, I mean, so it's all about where they want you to be on the pen testing. There is the drone strike threat. If you do hack something, someone's going to come. <coughs> Hellfire missile. thing is going to come. Hellfire yeah. missile coming right down the chemney. There could be one on its way here. Some going to come get you. <clears throat> oh, well, you know, the fundamental, you know, is, as much as pen testing is wonderful, right? But as much as we say we are going to emulate a real threat actor. There's a couple of big limitations. One is it's under contract. And the second is I got to stay within the confines of the law. Yeah. In inside of that contract. And I, I think and that's so, what I was clumsily getting at Choff was, was that, yeah. you know, that sliding scale of where you get to be, you know, you say, do you want us to go all out and bra- I mean, cause if it's nuclear weapons, I'm like, yeah, break the law. I want you to test this. I don't want anybody ever getting in here. But yeah, as a contractor, you have to play that game, and it, it's you know how many hours do you want us to spend on this? Do you want us to right. spend ten thousand hours and then do what somebody might really do to you, or right. or, or a thousand hours because that's what you want to pay for? And, that's, and, and it's a there, game. there are real examples out there of pen testers that have said, "Okay, fuck it, yeah, I'm going to break into your premises and steal all your gear." Yeah. Guess what? You just violated the law. <laughs> Guess what? Customer's going to call the cops, and you're going to get fucked. Right. I mean, <laughs> you don't go across some lines, right? I mean, there are limitations. Uh, yeah. Right. Scope. Yes, scope. scope. Yes. You know? So, uh, Lee, the I like the new Android malware that uses, uh, it looks at the telemetry from the motion sensor on your, uh, on Android and determines if it's being emulated or not, right? I'm assuming that's the story that you, right. your story number two. Yeah. That was the one where I was looking at um, Android was, uh, you know, they, it, it, it's trying to use the motion sensor input to tell if it's in a sandbox. So it's, it just, you know, goes to sleep. If it finds it's on a real phone, it offers you a secure Android update that's, you know, really cool and does crypto mining for you. Uh, 
I just like the way that it was so stealthy. It just kind of and and trying not to be detected. Uh, yeah, when we had Lenny Zeltzer on the show late last year, you know, he talked about some of the evasion techniques or techniques that malware would use to detect if it was in a forensics environment or in a lab environment, right? And I feel like that's always a cat and mouse game, yeah. right? So like now, knowing this. If you've got a malware sandbox that's emulating Android, you know that you need to emulate the motion sensors as if it were a real phone, and then the attackers are going to go back and say, can I use some type of machine learning algorithm to figure out, that, is this an emulated motion right. data that's being fed to me, or is this actual motion data that's being fed to me by someone's phone? Yep. I agree. And, and one thing I was wondering is what happens if I turn off location services on the device? But then I thought, wait a minute, who practically runs around with their phone and never turns on the mo- location services? Yeah, and that's most likely spoofed, uh, Lee, right? The location yeah. services in the, in the emulated environment. It's a yeah. cat and mouse game, just like it is for malware, malware on PCs as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool they're trying new stuff. It is cool that they're trying this. I, I saw this article uh, this week as well, Lee, and I, I thought it was cool. And I wondered about how far the cat and mouse game was going to go, right? Like how hard are we going to work in a forensics sandbox environment to emulate movement versus how hard are the attackers going to work to be able to detect whether the movement is being faked or whether it's actually real. Yep. And actually, that is a pretty good use case for some type of machine learning. Uh, yeah, could on be. the attacker, and, and one of the and it's people giving presentations. Attackers use machine learning too, they do. in situations just like that. Probably That's how they up their opsec, right? Well, I feel like we just came full circle. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. I don't think we can top I'm, that. I'm so, crying here. I'm crying. <laughs> with that, we're going to end the show. I will turn Doug or Doug or Joff to Lee. Oh, no, Lee, 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 take us out, Lee. Thank you, everyone, for oh, listening and oh, watching. Lee, Lee, Lee. Take us out. I'm with that. Our rhyme of security news and mixed in with porn memes. We're out of here. Catch you next week. <laughs> <laughs>